It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, it's Rusty. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to the podcast, the public access podcast here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN, with other great shows such as When the Gloves Come Off, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Say by the Ben. This is brought to you by Stoner Eats Productions, Fred Ben Savage as fuck, uh, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, and SockEmUp.org. Welcome, everybody. It's Monday. Monday, Monday. And it's, it's good. It's good. Good Monday. Good Monday, getting going early. Found a thing of corningware. This eight, no, not eight. There, there's an eight, but this was a nine. There's also a nine, nine cup corningware percolator. And I got it for a, a dollar, a dollar fifty. And yeah, worked out pretty nice. So I just cleaned that, that stuff up today. I got it at a church sale. You know, it's cool. I'll make a few dollars on that. I try to get away from that stuff, try to get away from resale and stuff, but it just keeps coming back, especially in the summer with garage sales. I just want to buy and flip stuff now. And now I feel like I can teach people if they need to, but there's so many other people doing it. It's not worth it to make it full-time. So that's why we're doing this a lot more. So today to not have anything to do with what I'm talking about right now. I want to bring on a special guest because it's Monday. And my special guest right here, right now, right here, right now. And that special guest is going to be joining us soon. And that special guest is Gabrielle Critchlow. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, it's Monday. I, I like my Mondays and I, I hope you do too. I hope you get to enjoy it being Monday. <laughs> I mean, Mondays is, is usually a tough day. So, you know, starting the week is always, I don't know what it is about Mondays and just, it's like I had a, I mean, today happens to be a federal holiday. It's Juneteenth. It's a little bit different, but normally Monday, it's like starting over from slowing down. So um, Mondays is usually like, oh, I don't want to do anything. But then it's like Tuesday. It's like, okay, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And does that last all the way till Friday or Saturday or whatever day? Or <laughs> does that momentum keep going? Uh you know, it's, I think from, yeah, yeah I, w- I would say so. I think Tuesday All to right. Friday, um, the, the momentum starts going. Actually, no, I would, let me change that. I would say, excuse me. Okay. Uh, thank you. Tuesday through Thursday, I would say that's where the momentum is. And then Friday, that's when it starts to slow down. Because it's like, okay, it's the end of the week. Yeah, so it's and like I, a weird little bell curve. Yeah, and then yeah, everyone just sort of yeah 
goes for it. And um, yeah, and then so you got today off because of, of Juneteenth. Yes. Is it so it's a federal holiday now? Is that correct? Yes, uh, became a federal holiday two years ago, I think. Okay. Two or three yeah, years ago. One day it showed up on uh, on my phone, on my calendar, and then that's, guess when I learned. I didn't know about it until probably, I think, when that came up, I did not know. Um, I, had, I have a buddy that's from Houston, and he told me what it was, but I yeah, nothing. I'm from Oregon, and it wasn't anything that was ever taught to us. So um, it's kind of odd, but yeah, it was, it's, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, interesting thing, but. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's so unfortunate because even I myself didn't know about it um, until a few years ago. So it's, now it's coming up in conversation and now that it's a federal holiday now everyone knows about it pretty much yeah uh so are you from somewhere up north then yes i'm i'm in new york right now oh okay all right so yeah it didn't yeah didn't make it in the way to the schools uh, up north too much i guess from you're probably yeah somewhere my age range, I guess, somewhere probably in there, but. My age, I'm 35, how old are you? Okay, yeah, I'm I'm 40, so yeah, it's, it's in that same same ballpark. In the, in the, yeah, in the, in, the, in the circle, yeah, it's, it's yeah. close together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and so yeah, it just wasn't something that was ever really taught, and I mean, it's, it's uh, interesting how it just didn't, I mean, how that even happened, how the whole, just, I mean, of not knowing that, um, whatever that, yeah, that it was done. I, I, uh, I think it's, um, I, th I think it's a couple things and this is my opinion. Uh, one, I think, um, the the information was kind of kept among black people so it wasn't really shared publicly um until like maybe in recent years so it was, was kind of like a an internal thing among black people um but i think as um I guess black people started entering more of like the public sector. So more, um, you know, they're showing up like there's more black teachers and there's more demand for black teachers and more demand for black history being taught in schools. Now it's being explained um, to more kids. So not just black kids, but different races as well, you know, white, Asian. And I think the more that it's, being put out there into the mainstream, the more that it's being brought up. And I think um, now that it's in the mainstream, now it's all out there. Um, another thing I think is because um, there is a, 
so now that it's being out there, there is an, an attempt by white supremacy to, to hide that, to, to not um, put that out there. So, um, because it's a reflection of the past, of the slavery era, of, of Jim Crow, and just frankly not having Black history in the mainstream. Right. So, um, and kind of keeping, keeping white history and the white views in the, in the mainstream. And, yeah, teach and we, to their kids. So, and we all know how well it goes when people try to hide things that happen in history. Um, right. You know, it just happens right again, in one way or another. And so, I mean, yeah, it's something that should be, um, you know, it's good that it's not even just regionally um, that it's yeah being. It's not just. Yeah, kind of, and the, oh, I don't know what area, I guess call it the South, but the South is kind of a a broader term, but yeah, the fact that it's being able to be put out, because yeah, it's something that, I mean, there's such weird things that didn't remember, like, uh, like, like there, there was a thing recently that I found out, um, about well was it I think it was World War One. Um and then like the one of the reasons that we went to war was you know there was the the sinking of the Lusitania but then there was also um in New York there was a munitions depot that the Germans bombed that I had never heard of until I think a year ago, um, and that was part of it that happened. Now, I don't know how I missed that. I you know, very much studied history. And then also with, yeah, Juneteenth, that was just something that just didn't even, neither thing really even popped up. And yeah, it's, it's odd what people want to want to, teach and if they don't why they don't want that to be out I guess is usually more the question for me but right and it's I mean it's I mean it's, it's not just you know black history but it's also like Jewish history as well um and I'm sure like with Asian history as well like any kind of anything that goes against white supremacy um, I, it tends to, especially white supremacy being in positions of power in government, I think it tends to get squashed or lowered down. But um, I think because um, as a sense of you don't want people to know the truth and you want people to believe your truth. Um, but um, but then the, but the thing about hiding things, right, is, you know, whatever you hide, eventually it comes out. So, um, yep. so that's, it, it's, it's coming out in pieces, but 
there's ways that it's still coming out and people are writing books. And, and I think now that um, podcasting has blown up, you know, maybe in the past, maybe like five years, but podcasting, I think was around for like 10 years or so. Um, but then because of the pandemic, it's really just exploded. Um, and now with the writer's strike and, you know, exploded even more. Um, now more people are talking about it and more of those things are being put out. So I think because of the evolution of technology, so because of social media and now there's all these, you know, Facebook lives and Instagram lives and now Twitter has its own lives and YouTube lives and podcasting and now there's all this open forum. Um, more of that information is being talked about and it's more more out there and I think um, now that there's all of these platforms that are being created at such an exponential rate you know more of that hidden information that people don't want you to know more of that is being put out there so while there's a constant attempt to suppress history there's also a constant attempt to release history. So while it might be suppressed in public schools, you know, it's being put out there more in social media, in books, in conference talks. <laughs> so, right. I mean, it is, you know, you can live your whole life and not know what happens, which is the sad truth, but. Yeah. But, and I, I like that, you know, people are going out of the way to learn um, about kind of anything and not having to, you know, be uh, just on the, you know, the small box of what, what we learn in school. And, um, and there's a lot to learn and we have so much of a larger, uh, you know, open access to information. Um, I mean, you know, we had we had uh, you know, to learn how to use microfilm or the Dewey Decimal System, or you know, learning how to get articles from magazines and then going in, you know, or you know, old old publications and you know, be able to cite these things. And I don't know if with with AI if it's going to be able to pick up on some other stuff that maybe has slid under the rug more and be able to read between the lines on some things and you know, maybe pull out some information that, that we still don't really know about as well. And I don't know. I mean, I think with well, my understanding of AI, um, I guess I'd, I'd want to know more about where it came from. Like, did someone create it? I would think someone invented it. But um, with that, in order for AI to develop, it needs information from human input, right? So whatever, um, whatever a you know whatever AI is putting out, it's based on what other people have said and what other people have published, and because it's you know, because it's, I don't know if, if it's such a new thing, but, you know, 
the, it goes back to the white supremacy. I don't know if it's white supremacy, but the information that it's, it's not, it, it doesn't, it's sometimes AI, it doesn't recognize the voices of people of color. Um, so, so? Um, so, so I'm trying to like, this is from what I've heard, but sure. Um, so it, it's, it may not pick up because again, it's human input, right? So it may, it may not pick up certain lingo, right? Or certain words that black people tend to say, or, um, or Asians tend to say, or Jewish people tend to say, so it may not pick up, um, certain cultural terms social uh certain certain norms um uh, words in other languages so but all that is but the more feedback that we put into it you know the more that it learns yeah that's and basically I, what it is yeah yeah and if it's in there i mean if people have written about it i mean it has access to literally everything so i mean it's learning out of speed we can't even imagine um i don't think it'll take too long for that to to catch up and not not even and then plus you know it's it also has a lot of limitations on what you can say and cannot say and ask it to do um i mean especially with like chat with chat gpt and stuff of that nature right uh, and also just to jump back in but it's sure it's white people for the most part it's white people programming ai <laughs> right yeah. so of course it's going to recognize um white terms and white language so um something like um which goes into a deeper issue of there's not a lot of cultural represent there's not a lot of racial representation in the science field so um Something like I saw something about, you know, like in the in like the public bathrooms with the automatic, um, oh, like the, the, the hand thing the, or the soap, yeah, or, yeah, right. So like I saw a story about um, it's less likely to rep, to pick up darker skin, you know, when you put your hand under the the spout and the water comes out. Um, it's, it's like a, it's less likely to pick up darker skin, and which is interesting. Yeah. And of course, it's um, so what does that mean? Because it's programmed to recognize lighter skin. Right. Right. And same with pictures, um, right. photos, and stuff of that nature. Usually, is set in that way too. Right. And like yeah, it's yeah that the focus will usually be on whatever the lightest subject is in the picture and it usually yeah makes uh whatever darker complexion you know hard to not focused on the same um as well right so um or yeah so like um the apps where you where you have to scan your face right it's less likely to pick up a darker skin tone excuse me you know so because all these programs were 
programmed by people with lighter skin tones, right? So of course yeah. it's going to pick those up first, right? So right. I mean, and it goes into a deeper issue of, you know, there's not a lot of representation of darker skin tones, you know, in these fields, and and now it has to learn that, right? So so and it's 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 all it's systemic it's it's all what it is but i think the more that we put ourselves out there the more noise that we make you know and the the more that we demand representation and the more that we demand change you know the more things will improve so why do you think there isn't as much representation in the science field um well, I mean, it's 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 improving now, but I think before, um, I think it's a lot of things. So I think it's um, under under education. I think it's there's not a lot of I there's not a lot of um, trying to figure out how to frame my answer, but I think. There's not a lot of um, like STEM classes and in lower income schools, which um, which unfortunately is populated mostly by people of color. Um, so I think it's there's not a lot of STEM classes. There's not a lot of like um, like even tools like the like the microscopes, stethoscopes, all that. Um, so it's not a lot of resources, I think, in the lower income schools, um, which, like I said, is pop populated mostly by people of color. And I think um, not a lot of education about it. And basically it's not, not a lot of knowledge about it. And I think and I think also with within, I would say there's also like psychological trauma within communities of color in that, you know, it's parents telling their kids like, you know, um, this world was not made for you. So, you know, stick to a service jobs, you know, stick to this job because you're not going to get it. You're not going to get this job because of because of your skin color. And I think that trauma has carried throughout generations. And so, um, so like parents telling kids that, you know, you're not gonna get it because of your skin color. You're not gonna get it because of this. You're not gonna get it because of that. And so stick to what you know, stick to what you can get. And that trauma, unfortunately carries throughout generations. So it's uh, psychological trauma, it's, um lack of education in schools lack of resources um and there's also a lot of money behind these things there's also a lot of money behind science and so on that goes into income um you know can you afford to access these things right so which it also goes into income resources so it's it's all it's systemic and that it's income, it's resources, but it's also 
personal and that, you know, it's parents telling their kids, you know, there's no resource, there's no, there's no help for you. There's no help for you. So stick to what you know. And, and it carries throughout generations. I um, mean, that, that seems like something that needs to change. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it, the, it, it is changing. I, will there's some, I mean, yeah, like a mindset's going to put you into, you know, self-fulfilling prophecies if mm-hmm. that's all that you can do. And then, I mean, so do you think that it's, you know, uh, public school um, funding is what you're, you're getting at? Or are you talking like people going to college where it's, or um, as far as, yeah, not being able to have the proper funding, is that, is that public schooling or? Um, that's one part of it. Um, there's lack of funding in public schools, but it also depends on the neighborhood that you're in. So um, how much funding a school gets depends on the neighborhood that you're in and the neighborhood that you're in, you know, is determined by the income of the people living there. So if you're in a neighborhood where most of the people are poor, the schools in those neighborhoods are not gonna get a lot of resources, right? Unless you're in a neighborhood where most of the people are wealthy, right? then those schools in those neighborhoods will also have more access to resources, right? Right. So, and that goes into, um, you know, how is it determined that these neighborhoods are poor and these neighborhoods are wealthier, right? And then that also goes back into redlining and, you know, it's, 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 it's a whole, it's a whole thing, right? So it's Congress determining, you know, what part of the area to support and what part of an area not to support. And so, and all that to boost their, their morale, right? And all that to just boost their chances of winning elections, right? So you right. pick and choose your areas, right? And then those are the areas that you, and of course it's, areas that the lower income areas tend to have be mostly people of color so there's it's a it's a ripple effect you know so if you happen to be in this area that doesn't get a lot of resources and you know and and you happen and mostly people of color they have lower income jobs right? They're going to live in those areas that are lower income. And so, and those are the schools that they send their kids to, which are in those areas, which don't get a lot of resources. And, and then therefore they, they don't know about college or they're less likely to go to college because the parents don't have the money to pay for college or, or, you know, they have to, I mean, if they happen to get a scholarship, but they have to apply for the scholarships, they have to get, they have to be lucky, or or they have to take out student loans, which later affect their credit. Um, so it's it's like one thing after another. So so you said that you think that some people don't know about college. Is that what you said? Was that part of it? What you said there? Did I get that wording right? Well, I mean, it's either 
don't know about college or <clears throat> which is I will let me just change that a little bit. Sure. Um I'm sure there's very few people that don't know about college. But the rest is either they can't afford it or they have to take out student loans or they're lucky enough to get a scholarship. So or maybe they which well a lot of well a lot of the a lot of the time they go through community college first because it's yeah. cheaper. Um, and then they transfer to the four-year college later on, um, as opposed to just jumping to the four-year college right away. Which, um, yeah, which I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't see the point in jumping into a four-year, it's money-wise. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes a lot more sense to do the two years, get, and then get the transfer and spend you know uh much you know I, I mean i can't even imagine what it is now i mean 20 years ago it was different but yeah i mean now i mean i can't even i don't even want to take a guess how much it costs between uh you know a two-year community college or going to university but um so then let, let me ask another question so if if the funds if they had unlimited funds for the public schooling, I mean, where would that money best be spent? Why, what would be the best way to advance whoever needs? Unlimited funding. Well, I mean, unlimited funding and even distribution you're talking about, because even if it was un, if it was, even if it was unlimited funding, it would still be unevenly distributed. <laughs> so assuming it's even distribution, it would definitely go towards, um, and again, this is all my opinion, um, but it would go towards, I think, a meal program for kids because um, a lot of the schools that are in the poorer neighborhoods, those families, um, <clears throat> they may not be able to afford food often. So I think it would go towards having meals meals for kids. Um, it would go towards paying the teachers better, I think, because the more that teachers are paid, the more likely they are to do their jobs really well. Um, it will go towards supplies, um, supplies in the classroom. It would go towards funding clubs, after-school clubs. It will go into arts and music. You know, they wouldn't be cutting art or cutting music. It would go towards improving gym facilities. It would go towards... Um, it would go... And even just the infrastructure of the building, right? It right. would go towards, um, you know, nicer bricks and a, a water fountain and uh, lights <laughs> and paint and painting the walls and fixing windows and air conditioning. Um, it would go to, you know, there might be an outside garden where kids can plant. Um, it would go towards...
it would go towards it could probably I would it would also go towards making this take making the schools themselves bigger so that you know they can take on more students um so you more more land for the school itself or more buildings being made um and i think because there would be unlimited funding for schools there would be more partnerships with schools um what do you mean so more like actually no let me say that because if it's unlimited funding there would be less likely that schools would have to outsource so then everything would be in-house outsource what so things like um like tutoring for example you know a lot of the times um you know it's schools referring parents to companies outside which is where I come in. <laughs> but um, but uh, but if, if it was unlimited funding, everything would be in-house. So there would be, which might work against me, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, you know, but um, everything would be in-house, right? You need tutoring, you come to the school, right? And to if teachers are paid more, right, they're likely to work more. And so they might take up those extra hours, right? And there's that opportunity for overtime and bonuses and they might tutor their kids after school more knowing that they can get paid more, right? So there would right. be more things in-house. Um, and let's see what else, like even meal programs, they're getting it from companies outside. So the companies outside, they're partnering with the schools to provide the food but if um if everything was in-house and unlimited funding they would hire cooks and they would cook in the school facility in the school kitchens as opposed to having it's either well i think the food is like prepared meals that they're bringing in so it's kind of meals that are like in trays or in boxes that they're bringing that in as opposed to being cooked on site. Um, so if it was unlimited funding, more food would be cooked on site and oh. schools would hire cooks. So they're not cooking stuff on site anymore or at some of the places they're doing it and bringing it in? I think so. Wow. Um, okay. Well, I think it also depends on like the, the poor, like the the schools with less resources. Sure, they're probably they're bringing it in like prepared, as opposed to the schools with more resources. They're cooking it on site. And then, do you think the quality of food goes up? Uh, I I worked as a cook at a at a Montessori school and. Um, I was pushing for, you know, to partner with a local uh, farmers and stuff of that nature to be able to have better food. But these kids just wanted to eat garbage. Like they, they didn't want that. I, I, I pitched it and it would have cost less money, mm -hmm. but 
they you know kids will eat what they want to eat i don't have any kids so i, I don't really i don't know but yeah kids seem to eat what they want to eat and then that's just seems like the way to to go but um and i mean and then during the summer then there's not that availability of that lunch either and then um you know some places their their park programs will do something um you know as far as you know giving out lunches during the summer but even then i mean yeah then that's still needs to be funded and right because when you have the supplemental meal programs right it's especially during the summer you know it's it's food in a box right it's right. a wrapped up sandwich it's carrots in a little bag it's the pouch drinks right and it's just here's a box of food you know but as opposed to um you know with if there was unlimited funding you know there would there would actually there would be cooks they would cook the food on site it would be on a it would be on, on a nice plate right it wouldn't be in a box uh it would be a nice display and there'll be a knife and a fork you know so it's um you know not a plastic spork you know <laughs> so um yeah it would be I mean, I'm sure that when they'll have to be realistic about do they really want to wash all them dishes? But, um, you know, the more money, more problems. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I think it, it'll be a nicer display and it, it would be cooked food. There would be more options for food, um, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of dietary restrictions and they can, you know, you know, for the kid who's vegetarian, you know, you know, they can't eat like the turkey or the chicken. So it has to be vegetables, you know, so there would be more options for the people that don't eat meat, um, more healthier options. So as opposed to just, well, you just, you won't get the turkey sandwich, you know, here's, I don't know, um, you know, here's, tofurkey <laughs> or whatever you know so there would yeah. be more um there would be more options for kids that have dietary restrictions if there was unlimited funding there would be more gluten-free bread and <laughs> so more avocado <laughs> so. and so then so then right now then uh you said you have uh, you're doing tutoring then as well so and then so is it is it mostly to places where they need to outsource is what you were kind of getting at or is that am i reading in between the lines on that or well, um, I, is it anyone i it's well in terms of my tutoring it's a lot of the times as parents um, feel they're not getting, their kids are not getting adequate education from the schools that they're in. So, so they, they seek my services to balance that out. So either the, the teachers are not paying attention to the kids enough or the kid is undereducated or you know the, the kid is falling behind because of the pandemic and they were all on computers and the kid was just not getting it. And so, so now we have, now they got to play catch up. 
and a lot or a lot of the times that I see the the kid is about to fail the class and there needs to be intervention right away and sometimes the teachers can't really attend to all the kids right Right. don't really have the time to do it or you know they're so overworked right they can't attend to this one kid and so that's where I come in with uh, the tutoring services to make up for those gaps so it's not so much the school it's because of the schools you know well some schools not all schools but it's because of um and also you have those those kids that really need one-on-one because the group format in a school doesn't doesn't work all the time yeah um so it's because of those flaws that are in the school system that people seek my tutoring services so do you think it could be partially different learning styles and then the schools are only really addressing one learning style and if you don't fit into that box you're gonna get left behind they don't know what to do and then they they come to you or how does that work or do you think that's the case or do you think um is it supporting one learning style I think they're getting a little bit better with introduction of special education services by just, you know, in order to address those different learning styles. Uh, but then it, it, it's also flawed in that you're categorized, you're automatically kind of thrown into special ed, unfortunately. So you have the kids that really need special education, right? And then you have right. those that are just you're not getting what I'm saying, I'm going to refer you to special ed. So, um, so then do you think that there should be some third alternative that's not special education, but not the regular class, something that would be sort of an in-between acts? I mean, yeah, I don't know if there's ever been that, if there's, there's just been special ed or not special ed i don't know if a third option would help because the schools are working in a group format right right so it's like you have to you know when you're teaching people in a group it has to be kind of this is what we're learning and this is how we're going to, this is how I'm going to teach it. So there has to be a standard way of teaching and a standard way of learning. And if for the convenience of a group, so if you have the one kid, that's like, I'm not picking up what you're saying, the group format is going to be hard for them. And so, you know, a lot of the times they may stay after class or, be re- or be placed in special ed or be re- where they can get those or they're likely to get those one-on-one services or or they're referred outside right so right I think there's flaws to a group format and that you're not addressing those kids with the individual needs so in terms of a third option that's not special ed maybe not a 
preferred option, but more of more tutoring, maybe in-house. So, um, so maybe you're like, you're, you don't meet the criteria for special ed, but you need extra assistance. So, you know, I'm going to refer, you know, more after school programs, uh, more in-house tutoring, more assistance, but not necessarily um, special education. So I don't so know a third option, maybe not a third option, but just alternative option. And so then are the schools referring you or referring out to you or like? Some, um, I'm working, you know, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm sure. working on getting into the schools, but a, a lot of my work is, well, my, the way I get to parents is word of mouth, you know, starting off with a few and then they tell friends. Um, so a lot of it is, is word of mouth and social media presence and, you know, more recently podcasting has helped as well but um I'm, I'm working on the schools right right you know because i think if schools had the unlimited funding then they would hire tutors to come to the school um but a lot of them don't so they have to go that what they do is they tell their parents um that your kid needs additional academic assistance we recommend that you find a tutor, <laughs> right? So they put right. it on the parents to find one. Um, but a lot of the times um, schools have lists of tutors where they say your, your child needs additional assistance. We don't have it. Here's a list of tutors, which I'm trying, which I'm working on getting on. I'm trying to get on the list. But um, I, but I think most, most of the time it's, they tell the parent, you know, your kid needs a tutor. It's up to you to find one. So, so what happens when they can't pay it? I mean, I unfortunately can't take them because um, my clients are private pay. Right. So I wouldn't be able to take them, but there are, they can always go to a library. You know, libraries, they have homework help programs, so they can always do that. Yeah. Um. And again, it might be the group format, but it's either one-on-one -on -one or a group format, but it's a smaller group. So there's the homework help programs in your local library. There's, um, or, or leaning on your own community. You know, do you have a cousin that can tutor? Do you have an, an aunt or an uncle that can tutor? Talk to a friend that can tutor. Um, so leaning on your community. Um, what else? Um, a lot of after-school programs in schools have tutors as part of their staff, so they can always go to an after-school program. Um, what else? And there might be tutors that'll do it cheaply, but it's probably like the high school kids that want an extra dollar, you know? So, um, you know, there, it might be 15 an hour, 20 an hour, right? Right. But um, so there are free resources. You'll have to find them and you'll have to commit to them, but there are free resources and there are cheap resources. You'll, I mean, you'll have to do the work and you'll have to find it, but they are out there. You know, and, and education is an investment. It's a 
time investment. It's also a financial investment, but it is an investment. Yeah, and so, and so then what is the the end goal? Is it, uh, I mean, to get them uh, to have a different learning style or is it to just tutor them until they're, they're good and then cut them loose or is it to help them until they're out of school or, or how, what's that look like? The end goal of who? The end, what do you mean? The end goal of who? Of you. My end goal. Well, <laughs> my end goal, um, I mean, my end goal is for them to be, for students to be better than where they were before. So I, I always encourage parents to stick out, stick it out with tutoring as long as possible um, and not fall away. But um, But if when it, if it's always if it's a financial issue, um, I would as long as you're better where you were before, I think that's that's an improvement right there. So, you right. know, and I, I've seen it where the kid is about to fail to now, um, you know, they're passing. You know, maybe it's whatever the goal is. So if your kid was just getting sixties and sixty fives, and then now they're getting a 75, that's an improvement, right? right. Um, you know, if the kid was barely turning in their homework and now they turned in half of their homework, that's an improvement, right? So, you know, if the kid is not showing up to class and now they're showing up a quarter of the time, that's an improvement, right? So right. the goal is to be better than where you were before even if it's a little bit, but, you know, yeah. but the more you stick out with the tutoring, the better, right? You want to keep these kids on track, um, you know, as long as possible, but, you know, but if there's always like a, well, not always, but it, a lot of the time it's a financial issue or, you know, sometimes a kid just like, I just don't, I just can't stand school and learning and I just want to break, you know? So, um, yeah, so whatever it is, I think in that moment, the goal is to be better than where you were before. Even so, if I'm sorry. So what, what happens there if the kid just doesn't want to do school and doesn't really see a, a, a want uh, uh, to do better? Is there the the push to, like from the parents to, you know, have you try to get them on that track or is it to open them up to, you know, different ways that they're, you know, that they could go some alternative schooling or, you know, maybe like a, uh, uh, what are they called? Um, uh, not a trade school, but, uh, what I don't remember what they're called in high school, the equivalent of a trade school. Um, you mean like alter, you mean the alternative? Yeah, like an alternative school. school. Yeah. Um, 
well, it's it's important to figure out why they don't want to learn. Um, there could be a lot of underlying issues, so I don't want to give a like a like a a specific answer. There could be a lot of issues under there. Is sure. it a mental? Is it a mental health issue? Um, is something going on in the home? Um, a lot of the times that I see, it tends to be an undiagnosed learning disability. Um, it's um, there can be a lot of reasons behind it. Maybe they don't like the school, right? Um, right. Or it could be bullying. Bullying is another thing. So, you know, there's, there's it's important to figure out the underlying causes of it. So, it's a good idea to complement tutoring with psychotherapy. Um, but I think if you make learning fun enough and interesting enough, they want to learn. So, and, and if the kid feels safe to learn, they do. Um, so it's not so much making learning fun, although work, but that's not, I don't, I personally don't see that as the goal to make learning fun. I, the goal is whatever the kid wants. So if the kid is, um, like I have one kid right now, like he, he's behind on his homework and the mom is like, you need to get all your homework done. You're not doing it. And I mean, I suspect a little um, learning disability there, but, um, but he doesn't want to do it. And he just wants to play video games all day. He wants to be left alone. You know, I'm there because, um, you know, the mom is like, you're, you're getting it done. And he's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. I just want to play video games all day. And, <clears throat> you know, I was working with him in the beginning. I mean, he was going along with it, but eventually he got frustrated and he and the mom were arguing and I took time off. And then the mom called me back the week after and wanted me to come in. And so you know, she told me that she and the son had a long talk. And when I spoke to the kid, so I changed my direction with him. So I said, it's not so much do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. It's okay, let's make a goal, right? So how many, the, the goal was for him to catch up on his missing homework. So let's make a goal, right? How many homeworks do you think you can do one in a day he said okay I can do two let's make a goal right so every time that I'm here you're going to do two homeworks so not we're going to get all of it done it's we're going to do a little bit every time and he said okay and so whenever I came he did the two he did the two sometimes a little bit under two but then as time went on he was doing two and a half he was going up to three and so I said you're you're meeting your goal right so you always want to acknowledge improvement you're yeah. meeting your goal you're beating your goal this is great right because now the kid is seeing hey uh, I'm actually accomplishing something right so you know I see when he started going up to three homeworks I was like do you think you can go up to three now because you always want to challenge them he was like no let's stay to two okay and so maybe a few months in he was doing threes and slowly going up to fours. And so I said, all right, I noticed you're doing a lot more than before. 
can we raise the goal up to three homeworks? And because I, he felt confident enough, he said, you know, yes, I want to raise the goal to three homeworks. Okay. And that's what he was doing. So I think it's, it's what, what, what does the kid want? So the mom wants him to, I want him to catch up on his homework and, you know, you know, and the kid is like, I want to play video games all day. Okay. So we'll, let's do this little bit. Of, let's do this tiny thing. And when we do that, then you can go back to your video games. Right. So it's meeting, meeting the kid where, where he's at in my case. So basically it's, yeah, the parent wants the kid to improve and do the homework and all that good stuff. Right. But then the kid wants something different. Okay. So let's meet the kid where he's at. And when you do that, you'll, you'll see that they'll improve and they'll improve on their own. And then it's their self-esteem that builds because they're meeting that small goal. And then they just keep going and going and going. So all that to say, I think, um, I think the goal isn't necessarily, um, I want my kid to love learning. <laughs> the goal is what do they want to take from it? You know, so if it's like, well, I want to play video games all day. Okay, well, listen, let's do this little bit and then you can go back to your games, right? So do this, you know, let's do one homework and then you can go back to your games. And then, oh, I noticed you keep doing the one. You think we can go up to two, right? So do the two homeworks and then you can go back to your games, right? Oh, I noticed you're doing the two. Great. Can we go up to three? Okay, so let's do three and then you can go back to your games, right? Oh, you're doing three. Can we go up to four? Okay, let's do four and then you can go back to your games, right? And then the and then they realize, oh, I'm meeting a goal and, and I feel good about myself because I'm meeting a goal. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do for school. And oh, my mom is not yelling at me anymore, which is another thing. So my mom is not yelling at me anymore. And my teachers aren't yelling at me anymore. And I'm not in detention anymore. And so, and you'll see things improve and then they'll actually go up on their own. So a lot of it really is self-esteem as well. So basically it's not so much what the parent wants, but I mean, it is at the end of the day, but it's meeting, you know, meeting, it's really what the kid, well, well uh, let me watch what I say, but I think it's, it, it is at the end of the day, what the parent wants, but with a slight twist. So it really is meeting the kid where he's at or she's at. And so are you working with everybody in person? Are you doing any uh, Zoom or anything like that with them? Or is it, how does that work? It's hybrid. Um, and so it's a mix. So myself personally, I do, because I also have three tutors under me. Um, the three tutors under me are strictly virtual, but myself, because I tutor under my own company, I do I do a mix. So I, some are in person, some are virtual. So you can get kids from all over the world, right? All to come over. to you. Yes. <laughs> well, right now, you know, I'm sticking to the United States, but I am open to people all over the world. So. And then, 
So then how are they going to find you? How are they going to find you if they, uh, they're wanting to or when they're wanting to? Yeah, so my website is www.astepaheadtutoringservices.com. Uh, they could also find me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Eventbrite, WhatsApp, and YouTube. So just search A Step Ahead Tutoring Services, and I will just pop up right there on social media. I also have a podcast called Hot Topics. So you can, again, type in A Step Ahead Tutoring Services in your favorite podcast platform, and I will pop up. Just look up Hot Topics and look for the pencil logo and um, the pencil logo with the gray and black tip at the bottom. And that is my company there on your podcast. So you could check us out um, on your on your favorite platform. Um, and yeah, that's it. So okay. all this information, of course, is you can find on the website again, is www.astepaheadtutoringservices.com. Yeah, I'll throw that in the show notes and everything. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be links. And yeah, go check it out. Get in there. Um, yeah, help, helping someone learn is something that's invaluable for anyone. Um, yeah, I mean, got to learn one way or another. And if yeah, you could use some help, you should. You should do it. So um, ho- ho- Holler at me. Come at yeah, me. Ho- yeah, holler at, holler at Gabrielle. And so that might be the title of this one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Gabrielle, thank you so much for coming on and getting to talk with you and um, yeah, getting to know, know more about you and what you do and everything. And I appreciate it. Thank um, you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and have a great rest of your day. And we'll, we'll talk soon, okay? All righty, no problem. All right. All right, that's Gabrielle Critchlow. So check her out. I'm going to put the links down there. And you guys, uh, you know, like, share, subscribe, do everything. Oh, some nice pit stains going on. So you guys know about pit stains. It's, um, it's still only, I guess it's afternoon now. So uh, afternoon pit stains sitting here up in the podcast studio. But yeah, you guys check out other great shows here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, such as When the Gloves Come Off, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Say by the Ben. Like, share, subscribe, comment, and do interact. Interact, I'll interact right back. And this show has been sponsored by Stoner Eats Productions, Fred Ben Savage as Fuck, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, Sockemup.org. And that is the show, man. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty 
Diamond Motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee Wee. You brought the snacks, right? <laughs>